A Satanist turns to a Christian-based organization looking for redemption. Initially, they are accepted and helped, but things turn sour. A splinter group is formed and battle lines drawn. The end result is 11 people dead over a four-year period, six people in jail and one of the strangest cases you have possibly never heard of. This is the case of the Krugersdorp murders and this is Murder Me on Monday. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Murder Me Monday podcast. I'm Cameron and joined with me is Mother. Hello. Now some of you may have realised that I have the memory of someone's Alzheimer's fueled old nan. <laughs> and there's a lot of people involved in this case. So I think Mother's made an attempt at either abbreviating names or just referencing them as what they are to the person instead. Because I'm looking at a list now and there's about eight people and there's about three vowels in the whole thing. So I've done that for your benefit so you can follow along with what I'm going to say. Okay. But we should be all right. So thank you to one of our listeners who suggested this case as it's local to them. This is also known as the Stain Gang, the Appointment Murders and the Satanic Murders. Can I just say at the start as well, when you said the... What did you say in the intro? It sounded like the start of a punchline to a joke. It's like you're a Satanist and you go into a church. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, a priest and a paedophile walk into a bar. They're the same person. I thought it was that kind of joke. No, but it wasn't. No, there's no paedophilia in this one. It's also more recently known from a documentary series only I wish available. The Catholic Church had less paedophilia, but that's something different, Karen. <laughs> from a documentary series only available in South Africa called Devil's Dorp. The documentary is not available via YouTube, Netflix, or even with a VPN. You can view the trailers on YouTube, and a lot is in Afrikaans, but it's subtitled. You just cannot get it anywhere except South Africa. But it is subtitled in English, and you cannot get this anywhere else. I have tried. I'm going to say in advance there will be questions I can't answer, Cameron, mainly due to the way it's been reported or not in the press. All the reporting is local from South Africa, and even the one USA article I found is pulled from South African sources. So I'm limited from where I can go. So let me take you to Krugersdorp, which is Afrikaans for Kruger Village. It's a mining city in the West Rand, the Gautang province in South Africa, and it was founded in 1887. It's got a current population of around 140,000 people and about half an hour by road from Johannesburg. It was actually named after the fifth president of the South African Republic, Paul Kruger. Now, the town has been in the news recently for an absolutely horrific attack and sexual assaults and some models that were out filming by the old mines. The numbers involved change as more come out, but I'll link it in the show notes as it's not why we're here, but it's an interesting insight into just how dangerous South Africa actually is. And personally, knowing people that lived there for many years, I believe the anecdotal accounts, but I'm not going to get into the politics of it. So let's crack on. A lot of people have likened this case to Charles Manson, which I can see, a manipulator behind the scenes who actually didn't get their own hands bloody, but also to Tiger King, which I haven't seen and actively avoided, so I can't even comment on that one. So let's start with our mastermind, according to the police. Cecilia Stain was born in 1980 in Harrismith, which is about 170 miles southeast of Joburg. She dropped out of school at the age of 15 and was once suspended for drinking. But she only ever worked once in her life at a daycare centre. Whether it was a child daycare centre or a senior, 
facility. I don't know. I'm also going to add, I can see pictures of here because you've made them in the notes. Why would anyone follow her? We'll get to that. This would be a really good plug for um, if we had like a Keeps sponsorship. That's for like hair loss medication. For You've people, just given it for away. people that are balding. What? What she looks like. I've given nothing away. I've just, I've just described she looks kind of fucky. That's all I've, that's all She's I've described. She's very odd. Yeah. So her father was described as tough and apparently used to abuse his children. Now this is, comes from a social worker's report that was actually presented to the court. What the abuse was... It wasn't given in that report. I have read in other places that she alleged sexual abuse. She was married to her first husband, what is described as a foreigner, for only four days. She helped obtain him a green card. And I sat there and read that and I thought, I thought green cards were American. But this comes from a South African report. So I thought there were pink out there, but never mind. She later married... Andries Dries Stein, a police officer around 2001, and went on to have two children, a boy and a girl. The husband and wife basically led separate lives and they slept in separate bedrooms. The reasoning behind this has only been hinted at, something along the lines of him being a police officer and doing shifts so as not to disturb each other. And it's also been hinted it was due to her physical ill health. In 2007... Cecilia, who was then 24, so she got married very, very young, is at a church meeting. She was introduced to another member called Marinda Stain, who was then 41. Absolutely no relation. But Marinda was so taken with Cecilia, she thereafter calls her her sister. In 2012, Cecilia, Marinda, they join a religious group called Overcomers Through Christ, run by Aria Grunwald, with Cecilia saying she needed deliverance from Satanism after escaping a cult that she was born into to be a high priestess and Satan's bride. Rhea started presenting courses to help survivors of satanic groups. This was called Know Your Enemy. She used Cecilia's testimony and stories as course material. Rhea felt after a while that the Know Your Enemy course was too founded on Satan and not enough on God, which is what they were really about. So she decided to do another course called Know Your Saviour, which she consulted with a pastor Reginald Ben Dixon on. It was probably also because Cecilia was drawing in Rhea's members in a very unhealthy way. They were fascinated with her and gave her a captive audience while she told them of all the things that she had endured. At the group, Cecilia and Melinda meet and become good friends with a young couple called Zach and Michaela Valentine. On certain days like Halloween, Cecilia would say that the satanic energies were strong and she needed extra protection from them. The Overcomers Through Christ group would get together at Cecilia's flat and they would sing gospel songs and pray. And Cecilia would be apparently there in body, but her spirit was far away going through some kind of torture. She would collapse and convulse and blood would pour out of her mouth and the ladies from the group would just pray harder. She would also, somehow or another, slow down her breathing and her heart rate enough so it would appear as if she died. 
The blood that poured out of her mouth was her own blood. She drew it with a syringe and put it into a latex glove, tied the fingertips that were filled with blood, put them in her mouth and bite down on them so it would look like she was bleeding profusely. Funnily enough, around the same time Rhea was working with the pastor on the course, Rhea started to get anonymous texts, supposedly from the satanic church, threatening Cecilia's life. After a while, Rhea started to doubt most of what Cecilia had told her, with good reason. Apparently, Cecilia was, according to her, a 42-generational high witch. The satanic group could not let her leave because she was destined to open the gates of hell and therefore she was in grave danger and needed protection from them. She had said that if she went further than 30 kilometres from her home, the death curses would be activated. She also claimed to be able to turn herself into a werewolf and a vampire. I bet even Buffy would have struggled with that concept. Oh, and I've nearly forgot. She was an expert at astral projection. Cecilia's relationship with Rhea broke down. And Cecilia persuaded Zach and Michaela, her close friends, and her sister, Marinda, to join her in a new group. They called themselves Electus Perdose. Why did they want to join a new group? I don't know. I don't have the mindset. Because they, they already had this other one. And they were like... Bro, I'm I'm the boy who lived. Yeah. I'm I'm basically the main character. I'm Harry Potter in this instance, and I'm also Horcrux. Like I've if if I leave, people. Do- well, if you come with me, we'll all be called this Electus Badeus, chosen by God. And they even had tattoos. I I assume it's a um, Judeo Christian, as in like the traditional Christian type God. That's the that they're following. Yes, you're not allowed to get tattoos. If that's the case, and they're worshiping like a false idol in her, so that, that it's it's contradicting all all these other points that I don't quite understand. No, nobody understands it. You've heard the term cognitive dissonance, where people don't apply the same logic or thought to one concept or another because it seems to confirm or conform to their worldviews or beliefs, and they're not really doing that. This whole case is completely and utterly batshit crazy, Cameron. So just go with the flow. No, no, but the, the people that she seemed to have like enthralled into her little scheme thing, yes. I don't think they they are just normal people. The same way that if you were raised a Mormon or you were raised in a cult from a young age, you're more susceptible to that sort of mind fuckery and taking psychic damage. So it's not like you've just gone to me, but like, hey, bro, I, I can see dead people. You are not wrong. She's. It's absolutely astounding, but it's far bigger than you actually realise and you don't realise this till the end. So let me tell you about Zach and Michaela, the friends and now part of Cecilia's new group. Zach was born on the 3rd of August 1985 and was diabetic. How many people strong is this church thing at the moment? There is six of them. It's not a church. Church can be... No, you, you, it isn't, is it? I know it might be in word, but it's functionally not. You couldn't even have like a... You, you couldn't even start like a, a football team with that. Do you know what I mean? You're not a church. Well, they actually... That's no different than like the weirdos at school that sort of set fire to bins around and like sit around it. <laughs> that's no different. You're no. not you're not like a, a, a clever congregation that's going to be the defile of man and open the gates to hell. Oh, fuck it. I've seen how you dressed. You ain't doing anything. Well, in the end, they actually do say that they were just a group of friends with similar ideology, which even if that was true in that in and of itself is sincerely worrying, but 
There we go. And then people say that what's wrong with people believing certain things? Belief impacts actions and actions have consequences. If you believe one thing, you act on it and they have consequences. So people's beliefs are important. Well, the beliefs become twisted. Zach grew up in a religious... What do you mean become? They're, they're all fucky so far. Well, Zach grew up in a religious and stable household, apparently. He was very intelligent, did incredibly well at school, gained a distinction in mathematics and went on to get his degree in actuarial sciences and mathematics. He lived in London for a year after his studies and then returned to South Africa to work for ABSA for four years. Now, ABSA was the Barclays South Africa group, basically, before it became a separate company a few years ago. Now, I won't tell you how I know that, but I do. He also worked for Discovery for three years, and he started his own Forex company, you know, foreign exchange trading. He was said to have been earning above the usual salary, which was round about 70,000 rand a month. That's about £3,500 or $4,100 in today's money and would have been far more back then. Moving on to Michaela, she was a 25-year-old estate agent. She was probably a normal teenager, experimenting with stuff she shouldn't have. She got herself into drugs and a few other things. But then she found religion and she, she really did go all in. She was actually studying to join what was either a church or a ministry. But she then dropped out of the course after she met Cecilia. And her and Zach live in an ordinary townhouse in Krugersdorp. The third member of the group, apart from, you know, that joins Cecilia, is Marinda, who was a divorced teacher. She had two children, LaRue, who was a boy, and Marcel, a girl. They were teenagers. They also joined the group. They all hang out at Cecilia's gaff, but only when her police officer husband wasn't there. Goodness knows what Cecilia's own children thought or saw, because drugs were consumed. Marcel was already actually an addict at 14 years old. And Cecilia then started to tell Marinda, the teacher, that she had multiple personalities and some didn't know about each other and did all the fake voices and mannerisms. And Marinda absolutely fell for it, actually still believes all of that to this day. The electors group then felt that their leader, Cecilia, had been disrespected by the Overcomers Through Christ group and started a campaign of harassment. Mild at first, tyres slashed, etc. But it actually culminated in pipe bombs being thrown and left under the vehicles. You know the whole thing in like the Bible that's like, do no harm, treat people nicely? Mm-hmm. Just saying. Luckily, this lot were inept, as they were, and none of the things went off as planned, and no one seriously injured or killed. Although Marinda had been pulled in for questioning by police at one point because her fingerprint had been found close to a scene. I don't know if they have to have um, fingerprints taken in South Africa to be a police uh, a teacher, but she could have explained it. But you know, I used to be part of that group. I must have left it there at some point. You know, it, it, there's explanations for why a fingerprint would be there. The members of the electors group were paying tithes to Cecilia because she said there was an orphanage in the jungles of South America for children of Satanists who needed to be saved. Members contributed to this charity according to how much they earned. Zach was said to have contributed up to ten no one million rand. It was only seventy grand a month, wasn't he? Yeah. So it's a quick it's over a year's salary that he's done. It's like fifteen yeah. months. Yeah. 
So Natasha Berger was one of Ria's congregation, members of the Overcomers Through Christ group, and she had written a prayer for the children in South America because she still believed in what Cecilia had, had told them, even though they were no longer part of the group. And she said this prayer one night. For some reason, I can't find where this prayer is, but it was called the Dangerous Prayer. Cecilia was really unhappy that she had said this prayer. And she said that because Natasha had done this, 170 children had died. Probably gleaned that nugget of information from her astral projection. There was no orphanage. It did not exist in any way, shape or form. On the 26th of July 2012, the police were called to a house in Pretoria where the body of Natasha Berger, aged 34, and her neighbour, Joy Bunazir, were found. Pretoria is about 46 miles north of Krugersdorp, so it's a long way to go for a prayer meeting, isn't it? In the house, there were satanic materials scattered about, so the police assumed that this murder had been occult-related. Natasha Berger was close to Rhea and she helped her in presenting her courses. Joy was just a neighbour and had no affiliation at all to either group. On the 13th of August 2012, Pastor Reg Bixton, aged 75, was found face down on his lawn by his wife. He had been hacked to death by an axe. He'd been the pastor that Rhea had consulted about the more Christian cause. On the day of Pastor Reggie's funeral, Rhea received a package of raw meat and a note that said, Sorry, this is all the dog has left you. Here is a piece of your precious Reggie. During the investigation, the police realised that these two victims were involved with the Overcomers Through Christ group. And so they interviewed everyone in the group. When they spoke to Rhea, she said she believed that Cecilia had something to do with it. She was that freaked out by it all. She upped and left Dodge fast. She changed her name as well just to get away from it all. It's fucking weird. Can I just say that? If this was a TV show that was dramatised, I could kind of follow it because I can picture places and faces and follow a storyline. But when it's like this, I'm like, hmm, I'm struggling to see it. So you've got Rhea, this person who ran a, a Christian church service type thing. Yes. He's had two friends attempt to be blown up. Blown up. The priest yes. was chopped up on the on his like garden face yes. down thought it was a satanism ritual thing and then she thinks cecilia did it yes absolutely correct and is cecilia's ideology or theology based around following god or the devil because at this point it seems more devilly than goddy i don't know what she actually believes in this is seeming like an episode of supernatural where like sam and dean are going to come down and just like shoot someone's face off i think the only person she believes in is her I don't think she does because she did the blood pod thing. She's attempting to deceive people. If that yes. was real, she would have actually started frothing up blood. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. But I, I don't, I don't understand what's behind it. And the further I went into this, that's why I was stomping around, pulling up my hair yesterday and saying to you, "This case, I this was, case." I was downstairs making food, getting ready to go to the gym, and you come in and you're like, you're chatting to me, and you're like, "Oh, it's like a." cult church religion thing and i was like what's the difference and then you, you were like walking away talking about it as i'm mixing my oats together <laughs> and, and then you cut and then i come back from the gym and you're like this fucking case and then start talking about more stuff that was it was a long it's absolutely bar- barking it really is so after the murder of the pastor michaela she's the wife of zach the really super smart 
guy. She was the 25-year-old estate agent. Right? She called her mother and she said she was really scared that people had been murdered and she said she needed a lawyer. Now, the group got to hear about... What so Cecilia's group? Yeah. Okay. Even though she's part of the group and her husband's her husband, he's part of the group. His loyalties lie with the group, not with his wife. But the police also get to hear that Michaela was worried about things. And they know about the group because they've talked to the original Christian-based group. And they know about this splinter group, the electors group. So the cops go and get warrants to search the vehicles and the homes of Zach and Michaela as well as Rhea, even though she'd done a bunk, Cecilia and Marinda. So the police do things backwards and they did not do a simultaneous hit on all the properties. Did they do one by one, alerting them to... Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely shit show. They searched Cecilia's house first and found items that made them raise their eyebrows, but they didn't go and check out the rest of it. Apparently there was a door that was literally covered in knives. Um, but again, I can't see any of that. I've got no picture reference to it. I don't know if it was stuck on there like, you know, that's where we store our knives or... <laughs> Careful if you open this. This is where we keep our knives. Yeah. Don't go in that room. That's the pipe bomb room. Yeah. <laughs> Unrelated. <laughs> so on the 12th of October, 2000... You should have had a fucking wig room. I'm just saying. That might have made it look a bit more normal. Oh, it's really odd. 2012, Michaela was found dead. She was covered in blood in her bed. She had been stabbed 65 times, with the crime scene being particularly gruesome, with parts of what can be described as body matter being stuck to the ceiling. She was discovered, in inverted commas, by her husband, Zach, who very conveniently had estate agents with him. As he told them he wanted to sell up, and can you come up and have a look at the house and value uh, it? It wasn't me because I wasn't there. Yeah. I, was, I was with other people. Yeah. When you say that there was body matter on the ceiling, yes. you said it was stuck there. Do you mean yes. that it happened to be there during the, the process of the murder, or was it up there with a knife through like a kidney into the ceiling? No, just the, the stabbing was so vicious, it was back. Okay. You can see how in my yeah. head they're two very different things. If I'm, if I don't I'm... think anybody else would have thought of a kidney stuck to the ceiling. No, no, but when you've got a priest that's been dissected and he's had his organs written around, like sprayed around him, so it spells out some fucking words or whatever. Some weird... No, it wasn't quite well. It was pretty gruesome with an axe. I mean, that takes some doing. That does take some doing. But Zach's stomping into the house. Oh my God, my poor wife. He asked the poorest day agent to check to see if she was dead. And then all he wanted to know was where were his cats and could he still sell this place? I always do this. If this was real, you think, I've lost my wife. What other things do I love? These The yeah. animals are like my, my my babies or whatever. They're my family, yeah. Like, if there's a burglary that happens, your inst immediate instinct is what's happened to my animals in the house? Are they okay? Have the burglars yes. done something to that? Yes. But some be like, if I repaint the roof and the ceiling, right, can we still sell it? Yeah. Because you're my mate, can you not tell them that there was a murder here as well? Do you know well what I mean? There's some places you do actually have to inform it, yeah, people. Yeah, because it, it will affect the, the price of the house because people don't want to buy it because of bad juju. Yeah, but there's other places you don't have to do it. So I, I generally didn't think to look into that for this lot. So the police have lots of suspicions, but little in the way of evidence. And the press just clumped the first sort of three together as satanic murders. No one had connected Michaela's murder except the police because they knew about the group. 
There was no nothing obvious about Michaela's murder. Although it was brutal, there weren't satanic pamphlets left about like they'd done. I was I was going to say, isn't it counterintuitive for Cecilia to be, because obviously that's what she's doing, having these people murdered in such a way to make it seem satanic. But I guess if she wants to um, shine a light on the satanic people as being the bad guys, it would make sense to essentially frame them for the There is murder. still a lot of belief in Satanism out there. Um, and I'm so it not necessarily linked to them. So... No, no I, I'm just saying it seems odd for someone who's meant to be like a, this like God-fearing, she's the saviour of the world, religious Christian person, to then be doing murders that are being deemed satanic. Okay, I'm going to give something slightly away here in advance, but think about it. Cecilia's husband, what is he? He's a police officer. There is suspicions, okay? We'll get into that later. But I think she felt she was either protected by her husband, protected by Satan, or protected by God. She was protected by somebody or something. So... 2012, this all happened. Let's jump forward to 2015, three years. Things were quiet, but a new member joined the group. Well, they were one down with Michaela gone, weren't they? So Cecilia probably wanted more tithes, but she lucked out with this guy, a chap called John Barnard, who was described as a junkie. She wouldn't be getting much for him. However, he knows stuff, and he tells the group about a couple he knows in the printing business where he used to work. They're millionaires. And they always, like all millionaires do, have millions stashed in the safe at their house. It's a surefire thing, guys. 27th of November, Peter and Joan Myers, who lived in Nordhuel, a couple of miles from Krugersdorp, were meant to be meeting with a couple of people to discuss building a water park. Peter Meyer had a bad feeling about this meeting and even asked his main business partner to sit in on it but the partner was busy and couldn't make it. Peter and his wife were later discovered, stabbed to death, and 600 rand were stolen. 600 rand? Yeah, that's 30 quid. I was going to say, because if, if he earned 70 grand, was it a month or a year? A month. That's actually quite a lot then, if that's so th- if 700, 600 rand or whatever is... 30 quid. He, that guy was actually on a really three good and a half, wage. Yeah, three and a half grand a month. $4,100 a month. It was good money back then. Yeah, and, that, and that's the dollars a month, and the... The amount of those dollars, what, you, what that could get you in Africa then at the time, that's like... Yeah, I know, I know. So the police discover CCTV of somebody nearby to Peter and Joan's residence. They recognise them and they talk to good old Zach and ask him to come in to have a polygraph. Of course I will, officers, he cries, until he is unfortunately involved in a fatal road traffic accident before he could do the said test, which was so bad the car and he were almost completely incinerated. His sister identified his body. Zach? Yeah. As in, like, the, the husband yes. of Michaela? Yes. As in the, the smart one? Yes. Okay. But hold that thought, please. Right. So who will look after his cats, you ask? Why, probably his very good friend, Cecilia. She is such a good friend. He had set up a life insurance policy with her as a beneficiary. She kills the cats, doesn't she? No, no, no. After he knew, after all, he knew how hard things are being for his beloved wife being murdered. And dear Cecilia should get the lot. 3.5 million rand, about 1.7 million pounds. 
problem was the policy had only been running a few months and yet the payments were in arrears and so it was sent for review in, within the insurance company. The insurance agent went to speak to Cecilia, didn't believe a word out of her mouth. He knew Zach and he'd known Michaela. They refused to pay out. In 2016, there was a group of murders that were dubbed the appointment murders by the media. 27th of January 2016, Glenn McGregor, aged 57, was a tax consultant. He is found in a bathtub of water, having been shot and strangled. The police investigate and find that his last banking transaction was a transfer of 6,000 rand to someone. And the section on it where we would enter what the transfer was, so, you know, shopping or holiday deposit or something, is filled with, and I apologise for this, excellent fuck. So that's nearly 300 quid. So the thinking could have been that it might have been for services rendered is logical, possibly, maybe. I don't do something quite as bad as that, but if I have to send money to you or a friend or someone else, so if you go out for somewhere and they pay for it and I don't have a wallet, I transfer them the money. I always put something stupid in the... Yeah, stupid is fine. It's, but it's like drugs or butt plug or something weird oh that God. you really don't want to be on your reference. Because I know you don't get certain paper statements anymore, but I think the idea of someone getting sent that and they read it, I find that quite funny. I know it can mess up mortgages and stuff, but that's the price you pay. Thank me and my friend. I've never looked at any online transfers. I, 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 it never I says anything from you. when I send it yours. to you, I'll be like food or, so, or something fairly yeah. normal. Yeah, thank you for that one. Well, during May 2016, there were three more murders. Anthony Schofield, age 67, was a t- another tax consultant who was found in the boot of his car, which had been abandoned. He had been strangled. Police discover his bank cards had been used at cash points around Krugersdorp and a total of 16,600 rand taken. So that's about 800 quid for us. Kevin McAlpine, who was 29, was found strangled in the boot of his car and 1,300 rand had gone from his bank accounts. These are all such small volumes of money for this. Exactly. A human life isn't... Why is it so cheap? What can I say? A few days later, on the 30th of May, an estate agent, Hanalee Lattigan, aged 52, was due to attend a business meeting with a client. She, however, was reported as missing, and the police found her car and cordoned it off, but no one ever came back for it. The police find that 3,000 rand, which is roughly 150 quid, had been missing from her bank account, and a body is discovered nearby in a cemetery the next day. We as adults all know that bank cash card machines or ATMs have cameras in them. Sometimes the pictures are excellent. Sometimes it could be Doctor Who in the pictures. You just can't see anything. Someone sees the ATM pictures all over the news, which was no doubt asking for information about who these people were because they had two different people in different pictures. That person thinks they recognise them and informs the police. The police get hold of other pictures of the two named suspects and send them off for facial analysis. And it comes back as confirmed that one is LaRue Stain, then age 20. The other is Marcel Stain, then age 17. Doesn't take much for LaRue to confess to all the murders, saying he had acted alone. 
but the senior police officers at the time get another anonymous call telling them to check out the children's mother, Marinda, and to be sure to thoroughly check her classroom at the school. So off the police pop, they find a bunch of weapons and ammunition hidden in her classroom. It was said it was hidden in a stove, and it, I immediately thought, my God, was the classroom like Little House on the Prairie with a you know, stove in the middle of it with going up? To, I don't know. Why she had a stove in her classroom, I do not know. Do we know what she taught? Because if she's some sort of art teacher, you do have a stove. English. Well, okay, <laughs> I know there's a pause there. I'm thinking, what's the weather like at some point? Will it get cold and you genuinely need to put the... I don't know. The stove on, but keeping ammunition in a place where that's going to get set on fire, probably not a good mm, thing. Yeah. So they also find at her house an updated will. She stated that she denounced her children because of the crimes that they had committed and that everything will be left to her dear sister, Cecilia. So police show LaRue that will and he finally tells them exactly what happened. Natasha, who was the first victim that had upset Cecilia with that prayer and also felt that she was in, she felt that she was in the way of her relationship with Rhea. So she had to go. The plan was that Marcel, the daughter, would go to Natasha's house in disguise and tell her that her cat had run inside and then she would pepper spray her, let the others know that she were down, they were coming and murder her. However, Natasha had known about the pipe bombs. She was wary. I mean, as well, the place is dangerous, so you don't just let anybody in. And she wouldn't let Marcel inside the house. So they toddle off and give up for the night, and they go back the next evening. Zach and Michaela, the husband and wife, went to Natasha's elderly neighbour, Joy. And they told her that they were old friends of Natasha, and they were here to surprise her. So Joy let them into her house. Once inside the house, they threatened Joy and made her write a note to Natasha, which said, Natasha, please come and see me urgently. Joy, it was written in Afrikaans. I've seen it. it. I wouldn't have known that unless it was translated. And they put that note on Natasha's door from when she got in from work. Zach then took Joy into her bedroom. He's got one brownie point for this. He locked her small dog in a closet, didn't harm the dog at all. And then he slit Joy's throat. When Natasha got home, she grabbed the note, went straight over to Joy's house. When she knocked on the door, it was opened and she was greeted by Zach and Michaela. She knew they were. She tried to fight them off, but she ended up getting stabbed by Zach. So that's the first two murders. Michaela freaks out at Zach stabbing Natasha and runs out of the house and back to the car, which has still got Marcel in it. The next murder was the pastor on his lawn. He was murdered because, again, of his influence on Rhea. According to Cecilia, and by that point, Michaela was wigged out and told her mother she needed to speak to the police. Now, who actually murdered the pastor? That was Zach and Marinda. It was Marinda that mainly goes nuts with the axe. Michaela, speaking to the police, couldn't be allowed to happen. So her ever-loving husband, Zach, put sedatives in Michaela's morning coffee beside the bed because Marinda didn't want her waking up when Marinda went round there to get rid of her. Marinda took Marcel, her own daughter, to the house. They'd been given the keys and the gate remote by Zach. 
She then decided to hit Michaela over the head with a hammer to try and knock her out properly and to make sure she wasn't going to wake up. Unfortunately for Marinda, Michaela's head was on a pillow and it sort of kept bouncing when she kept hitting her and Michaela was starting to come to even with the sedatives. So that wasn't working so Marinda just starts stabbing Michaela repeatedly. Marcel, her daughter, who knew Michaela very, very well, just stood in the doorway and watched. Marinda said to Marcel, you have to join in. So joint enterprise sort of thing. Marcel stabbed Michaela one time, but then said she couldn't do any more. So 64 of the 65 stab wounds were from Marinda. That's an awful lot of rage, isn't it? And to cap it all off, Zach's car accident and being identified by his sister. Yeah, that wasn't Zach's body. And the sister was Marinda. The group had targeted a man called Jared Jackson, who was he was a bit of a he was a homeless lad. He did have a girlfriend or a fiance. They'd been on drugs, but they were trying to get themselves back on online. And they used to sell sweets and junk food, um, sort of like a, on a cart on the side of the road. They were just trying to get by. Cecilia had bought stuff from them before and she befriended the couple and they thought she was a good, kind person. She used to come along and she'd bought everything that they had in their car. And they thought, we've had a good, good day here. We've got enough to make rent. You know, they started getting a little apartment and they thought they were doing well. Zach said they wanted to go fishing and that Jared must absolutely come with him and have a, you know, great day out with the boys. And Jared was, yeah, of course I'll come. His girlfriend says later on part of the documentary I did see that he went and he didn't come back. She sat up all night waiting for him. And early in the morning, she's texting Cecilia saying, where is he? And she wasn't getting any answers. He was murdered in the car by LaRue and John Barnard, the murdered Michaela's replacement in the group. Yeah. And then his body was moved into the driver's seat. The car was doused with petrol and set on fire. Zach's disappeared after that, completely off the grid. And how he was caught was actually a bit of a fluke. There was a lady who would host camping weekends for homeless people, which Zach now was, was technically one. He couldn't go and get a job by any stretch. He had no ID. He didn't exist. He was supposed to be dead. And he used to join these camping getaways under a false name. One day, one of the police officers took home a file that had a picture of Zach's face on it. And his girlfriend, who worked at these homeless camps, recognised the picture and said, hey, that's X. And the police officer said, no, it's not. That's Zach Valentine. Suffice to say, they go and find him and they verify his identity initially from all his tattoos because they knew how many he had. Glenn McGregor, the tax consultant that was killed and dumped in the bath, that money he transferred went into Marinda's bank account. At least the case that we did last week. With the Mafia 3. Yes. At least they were actually fairly competent to a certain degree. They got the police chasing around and having to follow all these different places. It was only sort of thwarted by a couple walking a dog, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. They, exactly. they, they directly bank transferred money I to know. someone's bank account. Wouldn't you have set up a dummy bank account? You'd have thought, but it's not that easy to set up dummy bank accounts these days. You can't. You've got to have so much ID to do these things. I, I, I bet in South Africa... It well, would be much easier than or that. Western Union transferred it or something. It, it but this could have done it, but no. Yeah, and it's like you said, they're paltry amounts. So the police pick everyone up. They are able to corroborate LaRue's statements with John Barnard's. 
There are three trials. In 2016, John Barnard gets sent to 30 years in jail with 10 suspended on condition that he testifies against the others. So he's going to serve 20 and get out. But if he does anything wrong, he goes back in to serve the other 10. 2018, Mirinda pled guilty but signs a plea agreement and gets 11 life sentences, including murder charges, life for racketeering. She was also sentenced to 115 years for various charges, including robbery, fraud, accessory after the fact, unlawful possession of a firearm and unlawful possession of ammunition. The judge asked her if she understood the consequences of having entered into a plea agreement. He said, you understand that part of the agreement contains a series of punishment to be imposed upon you. And if you agree to life in prison, it means life. To which she said, one has choices, one has to bear the consequences. In total, she received a 390-year sentence. LaRue, then aged 22, he was found guilty of seven murders and sentenced to 35 years for each of them. Ten years of his sentence was suspended on condition that he testified at his trial, at everybody else's trial. He would have served a 373-year sentence if he hadn't signed a plea agreement. All of his sentences and everybody else's are not consecutive, they're concurrent, so they're all served out at the same time. He might have got seven murders, but he's going to serve the time... At, at the same time. So same instead of doing 15 times seven, it's 15 yeah. lots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the 19th of August, Cecilia Stein, then age 38, Zach Valentine, then age 34, and Marcel Stein, then age 21, were found guilty on 32 counts, including murder, fraud and intimidation. Whilst delivering the verdict, the judge said that the group should have called themselves elected by Lucifer. The three were handed multiple life sentences, except for Marcel, whose minimum sentence was moved because she was 14 when she committed her first crime. The judge described Cecilia as a pathological liar and skilled manipulator. She was an evasive witness and came across as argumentative. Marcel was sentenced differently for two of the murders, which was because there was, she was so young. She was given 15 years each. She was still, however, given seven life sentences for the other murders she was party to, whilst Zach and Cecilia were handed eight and 13 life sentences, respectively. As I said, they're all going to run concurrently. Cecilia's mother, father and her husband believe she is innocent. Her father angrily blames Rhea, saying if she had never met her, this would never have happened. Her husband now ex-husband, believes that she was fitted up and still takes the children to see her in prison, says she's a wonderful mother. As I said earlier, a social worker did a report on it and you could tell she really didn't like her, said she was always sickly, always in the hospital wing and never showed one ounce of remorse amongst other things. She's never accepted responsibility. There is no mental illness as such. There doesn't appear to be any personality disorders that one would expect, and there's no one shouting psychopath. And as of 2019, Cecilia was in a relationship in prison with another murderer serving 15 years. 
There's a possibility she's just evil, I guess. But you can't help but wonder, is there much more? There is stigma attached socially to mental illness and there are not enough trained mental health professionals. In 2010, South Africa had 1.58 providers for every 100,000 people. In the same period, Argentina had 13.19 for every 100,000. About 75% of people with mental illness do not access mental health care in South Africa. But we are not quite finished. Marcel had been transferred to a different prison in 2019 after Marinda, her mother, had heard her testimony at trial against Cecilia. Marcel opened her heart and told the truth in court. Marinda said that Marcel would be taken out when she returned to Joburg's South Prison. She reportedly said that Marcel had caused shit and would have to pay for it and that witches were going to kill her. She also testified at Cecilia's trial, however, Marinda, that whilst her relationship with LaRue was non-existent, it was better with Marcel. Obviously, blooming well wasn't. Krugersdorp. There have been a number of satanic claims about the, the town. It's got five entrances and people think it looks rather like a pentagram from the air. I suppose if you've had a mega pint of wine, close one eye and squint at it from about three foot, you might think it looks a bit like a pentagram, but, you know, grasping at straws. I don't think pentagrams are inherently, sata- inherently satanic. It's when they're upside down, so one of, one of the points faces the bottom. That's when it's meant to be considered demonic. Yeah, yeah but people... No, I know. You know, education yeah. levels, yeah. In 2008, a mourn... Harms, I think it's Morn, not Mornay, Harms, then aged 18, in Krugersdorf, walked into a classroom with a samurai sword. He decapitated a 16-year-old child at the school and injured three others, and he was wearing a homemade slipknot mask. He was supposedly part of a satanic group, which happened to somehow include Cecilia Stein. It's claimed that Morn had Cecilia's phone number at the time of his arrest. People believed their paths had crossed earlier than 2008 when this killing was carried out. According to Cecilia's father, there was definite contact between her and Morn. This so-called samurai killer refused to cooperate with police when asked about his connections to Cecilia and the cult. And it is also believed that Cecilia gave counselling, whatever that might mean, to Morn. He got 20 years and was released after 14, even though a report in 2019 found that he was still a danger to society. So I hope somebody's watching him. Two young men, Christian Kruger and Fabian Luff, were arrested in conjunction with the murders at the beginning of June 2016. In September, they were both acquitted and released. But as of 2020, the High Court in Pretoria found that the arrest and subsequent detention of Fabian was malicious and unlawful and solely based on lies from the South African Police Service. The state will have to pay him damages he has been able to prove as a result, and he had a claim for three million rand in. The state tried to argue that... Fabian had abandoned his bail application shortly after his arrest and he was thus kept in custody. It was his own fault. 
But the judge said as he faced Schedule 6 offences, three being premeditated murder, he would never have been granted bail anyway. So that's a false equivalency. Christian Kruger, the other chap, says he was tortured into making a statement saying that Fabian was involved. It was a complete and utter mess of an operation. There was also an unnamed police Colonel X mentioned in that documentary who would visit the cult members. And people think he shielded them from investigation, which in turn led me to discovering that as of August 2021, police say a docket implicating three policemen and one former officer in the Krugersdorp murders was handed over to the National Prosecuting Authority in May but no decision to prosecute has been handed down yet. They're still investigating it. According to the report, despite the allegations against him, Colonel X is still a highly regarded police officer and currently a member of a provincial investigation unit that reports directly to the National Commissioner. The third suspect allegedly has family ties to Cecilia. He was dishonourably discharged from the police due to housebreaking and is believed to have been involved in the plot to fake Zach Valentine's death to claim that insurance money. The fourth suspect is a detective still in the police service. The man was allegedly complicit in the fact that the original police file with evidence about the first four murders actually disappeared. The police officer who started investigating the appointment murders, the last group, wanted to link the early ones from 2012 with 2015 and 16 murders. But when they went looking, all the boxes of evidence had somehow gone missing from 2012. And nobody knows where they've gone, who they've got, whatever. But this police officer might know something about it. I also learned that Afrikaans is one of 11 official languages of South Africa and is widely spoken and understood as second or third language. Although Zulu and English are estimated to be understood as a second language by much larger proportion of the South African population. There are books available if you want to read in depth. And there's a companion podcast to that documentary by the absolutely excellent Nicole Engelbrecht of the True Crime South Africa podcast, which I'll link. At least you'll know she could pronounce the names and places I won't even attempt. But there are much deeper dives out there if you want to look, but you will have to search by multiple names and by multiple murder categories. There are also many YouTube videos of Marinda giving evidence in Cecilia, Zach and Marcel's trial. She's another one who's very, very odd. She's very, very cool, calm and collected. collected. Absolutely nothing rattled her. So why is Marinda so loyal to Cecilia? Her statements at Cecilia's trial were at odds with what she'd given in her sworn statement, where she admitted that Cecilia knew about everything, but at trial, she claimed she was completely innocent. She was challenged on every point, but she had an answer for everything. She stated very firmly that she believed in Cecilia's multiple personality and had witnessed them appearing. When the judge asked her to get, well, what were their names, what what did you call them? She said, no, judge, I won't tell you their names. They're listening in. It's actually really bizarre to watch it. There are many gaps, lots of missing information. Not doing anything or killing anyone for a couple of years. Apparently, Cecilia wasn't actually doing nothing. 
she had wanted Rhea's son murdered and had tried to hire killers who ripped her off. So their need for money would have been quite bad for that three years. So what was going on there? Was it a cult? Was it some sort of mad contagion? Did they really believe that Cecilia could astral project or turn into a wolf? In 2013, 84.2% of the South African population identified as Christian. But that's not broken down into any further in, say, Catholic or Methodists. So is it simply a belief in Christ? Would this make this lot Christians? I don't know. It's, not, it's, it's outside my wheelhouse. I wouldn't know. We said Zach was highly educated. He put two million rand of his own money into the group and, you know, supposedly into that charity as well. Probably, I would think all of it went into the pocket of Cecilia. Who did what with it? Why was Zach feeling that he needed to belong with them? Could Cecilia's husband really have been that oblivious? And the seeing as police corruption had been dragged in, I seriously doubt he did not know something or have suspicions of something. And while she never actually got her hands bloody, Cecilia was the absolute puppet master, with Melinda as her second and enforcer. But in reality, Melinda is a serial killer. That's what she is. She's a serial killer. Is it a cult? They would fit in the generally recognised description of one. Following orders, tithes, devotion with a system of beliefs, although I'm still not really sure what they are. A cult doesn't have to be religious nor have many members. Also, according to what I have read, there are three people still in witness protection. Are they cult members that haven't been named? If so, why would Marinda and the rest of them not name them to offload some of the blame? Is there more to come out? I think there's far more to this than meets the eye and there will be a lot more to come. This whole thing spanning eight people's murders that were committed by, at various points, six people. For what? For essentially no money, no power, no influence. I know Cecilia's got this immediate influence over a couple of people. Well, the first one's revenge because she supposedly said this prayer. Yeah? The second one was being in the wrong place at the wrong time, which was Joy, her neighbour. The third one, again, is revenge. That's the pastor because he influenced Rhea and was taking Rhea's attention away from Cecilia and Cecilia needed her to be immersed in her looking after her. It's bizarre. No, no, but you're only garnering influence over that that one person. It's not like she's got this swarming, vast network of people that... don't think it was about Sad power. Man. I don't think it was about power per se. She just needed a small, is it called cottery, around her to do her bidding. And eventually what it became about was money because they'd killed the golden goose by getting rid of Zach, but then Zach couldn't be allowed to take the um, lie detector test because he admitted that he thought he'd fail it anyway. So they had no longer had his well-to-do salary coming in. Marinda was a teacher, but... There was only so much that you can give to, to do yeah. that. But I, I just don't see why these individuals would choose to follow someone when they, when no. they don't have anything backing from it. They've got no they've got no evidence. They can't confirm that she can astral project. There's there's nothing that you can do to that would confirm this. And this woman, not to be like I don't know what you call it, ableist or hating people the way they look, but she looks like a potato that got dropped and like rolled around on the carpet slightly. This doesn't look like someone that's 
what she got that's well put together and intelligent has like a great ability to to orate and manipulate people with their no. language she doesn't have that no when i started researching it i was like okay this is weird and then i looked at the pictures and i'm like why charles manson you could say he he did have a way of speaking but his eyes he was quite an electric personality and he was able to persuade people of complete and utter gobbledygook from his magnetic personality. But Cecilia just comes across as sullen. There's one person I didn't mention in all of this because when I tried to read and follow what they were saying, I just got someone's 50 pence short of a pound on this. You know, they were saying we're short of a picnic. Or I don't know if she was a member of the group, but she was a follower of Cecilia. And she's absolutely obsessed with her. And there's there's a website out there that this person has created. I'm not going to name them. It doesn't load very well. It's incredibly difficult to read it, because it doesn't make any sense. But she's obviously still obsessed with Cecilia. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't even get it to load properly. You could only read like highlights on tiles. And it was just like, oh, uh, there's something. Somebody's definitely not over whatever it was. And some of the stuff I found out from the news reports doesn't gel quite with what I saw on some of the clips because I've literally seen clips and things like that of this show. They talk about Cecilia being neighbours with Zach and Michaela and you look at this, these flats and you think, uh, but then Michaela was killed in what's apparently a very nice area of Krugersdorp. I'm not sure where... The misinformation lies. I'm thinking the documentary will probably be better than the news reports, but I can't track it. I don't know. Finally, the victims who should not be forgotten. Natasha Berger, age 33. Joyce Bonzea, age 68. Reginald Bendixson, 75. Michaela Valentine, 25. Peter Mayer, 51. Joan Mayer, 47. Jared Jackson, 44. Glenn McGregor, 57. Anthony Schofield, 64. Hanley Lattigan, 52. So that is the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Murder Me Monday Podcast. Email us at Murder Me Monday Podcast at gmail.com. Patreon links in the show notes below. Show and support. We appreciate it very much. And I guess we'll see you next time. Much love. Peace. Bye.